Hey guys, Aaron here, and on today's episode of The Aaron Wise Show, I interview Al Gammy. Al is a singer-songwriter from Australia, and we talk all things from his days in tear gas, um, his childhood, and just heaps of cool stuff. It's really good chat. All right, cool. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, see you guys. All right, quick word from the sponsors. FIFO, what really happens after the plane takes off, and FIFO number two, how a drug dealer became a FIFO worker. Both available under... Aaron Weston author on Instagram and Facebook and under the Aaron White show on TikTok. And for the kids under children's books by Aaron White on Facebook, we have Australian paramedics, Australian surf lifesavers, Australian police vehicles, Australian defense force machines, mining machines coloring in book, Australian firefighters, Australian mining machines, all available under children's books by Aaron White and under the Aaron White Show on TikTok. All right, let's get started. Hey, Al, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, good to be here, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think uh, it's one one note. I think it's really cool that you do all those kids books. I'm thinking about getting one for my niece. Looks really good. Ah, oh, no worries. Yeah, we'll sort that out after the show if you want. Yeah. Cool. Hey, today, I just want to hear your story, like how and where you grew up, any life-changing events, how you end up doing what you're doing today. Yeah, no worries. So, um, I'm from Melbourne. Uh, well, I say I'm from Melbourne, but I actually grew up about an hour and a half out of Melbourne uh, in Ballarat for most of my childhood. And then we moved to Melbourne when I was a teenager. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, like it's regional Victoria, so I wouldn't call it the country as such. It was, you know, just a, a slightly smaller um, regional city uh, down here in Victoria. But um, yeah, I uh, grew up, mum and dad and my younger sister is a couple of years younger than me. Um, my parents ended up getting divorced when I was about six. Um, and at that time I took it pretty hard. Um, I was pretty close with my dad. The reason why I make music is, uh, you know, largely because my dad played guitar. So there's always music around in the house from as early as I can remember. So from when I was a very young kid, you know, always jumping up and down on the, on the, the bed playing air guitar while dad had his real guitar out and, you know, listening to the old record collection. And it's all like classic rock, you know, Rolling Stones, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, um, all that good stuff from the seventies is what I primarily grew up with. Uh, and yeah, when, when my parents split it, um, yeah, it was pretty hard cause I was so close with my dad. Um, love my mum as well, obviously, but, um, it, it was pretty rough. And then, uh, mum, it's all seemed to happen really quickly. I was very young, so it's hard to remember all of it, but um, it was just kind of like dad out and then mum's new partner in. Um, and I didn't really get along very well with mum's new partner. Um, and uh, so it was a pretty pretty rough sort of environment um, on me emotionally. Um, and uh, I looked for any any opportunity I could find to escape that environment, whether that was you know my every second weekend that I'd get staying with dad or whether it was um, being able to go to my grandparents house and that sort of thing um, and uh, music was a pretty big escape still so every second weekend when I go to dad's he'd uh, make me a cassette tape um, that was you know basically stuff taped off his record collection and uh, so he'd send me home with a new cassette every couple of weeks uh, and I'd have new music to absorb and listen to um, and that was, you know, like I used to wear those tapes out, you know, that I'd have to ask dad, Hey dad, you know, the Aerosmith one, you made me, I've run that down. Can you make me another copy of it? Um, and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely, um, a godsend, you know, to have available to me when I was in a um, in a environment that was you know pretty tough on a, on a young kid, especially, you know, trying to find my way as um as a male um you know in a in a female dominated household um and yeah really i guess looking for those role models and and inspiration and that sort of thing you know like my dad was definitely a clear role model but i only got to see him every couple of weeks or on the school holidays um so for me you know i definitely role modeled hard off um off singers and and guitar players and um you know, and I just immersed myself in that world from, from a really young age. Uh, as I got a little bit older, you know, started being able to, um, you know, to find my own music. So stuff that my dad didn't necessarily introduce me to, but going off and at that time it was you know, like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and, um, you know, Faith No More and all that, uh, stuff that was kind of happening in the, the alternative scene in the nineties. 
uh, then got a bit heavier into Metallica, Pantera and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but I still kind of retained a lot of what I loved about music from what dad had introduced me to. And so even though when I was listening to really heavy stuff, Cannibal Corpse and that sort of thing, I could still chuck on, you know, Cat Stevens or the Beatles or something really mellow. And I always had an appreciation for that style of music as well. Um, and so as I grew up, you know, when we, um, you know, it didn't really get much easier when my mum and her partner split up, you know, like mum was on her own then and, uh, and mum didn't really want to stay in Ballarat at that point. So we, we moved to Melbourne, uh, but you know, single mum that was working all the time. Um, you know, we didn't really see a great deal of her. Lucky I, I had a reasonably good head on my shoulders when I was that age. So I was able to kind of look after my sister, bring her home from, from school, get dinner on and that sort of thing um because mum was working and i didn't really understand it at the time that mum was just you know she was loving us in her way by putting food on the table and like working her ass off to be able to you know move up the chain and and get a better job and get another better job because you know it was hard going for her to you know to to keep food on the table and to send us to school and all of that sort of thing um and i didn't understand at the time all out really understood was well mum's not around whereas all my friends mum's are there picking them up from school and making them sandwiches and all that sort of stuff after school, that sort of thing. And I just saw, well, my mum comes in, you know, bone tired, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night um, and doesn't really have much left for us kids, you know. But now when I reflect through adult eyes, I understand that was her way of her trying to give us the best opportunity and, you know, to be able to, you know, keep us going and to send us to good schools and, and that sort of thing. So um yeah i have an appreciation for my mum now and i mean she continued as we got older to keep climbing the the corporate chain and my mum's you know a ceo now and you know pretty inspirational woman and you know like i said before looking for male role models you know early on which i think i still think are very very important um for for boys and men to have male role models but i think it's equally important for us to have female role models as well and my mum is definitely someone who you know now more than ever i, I look up to as a life role model because she just has such a work ethic on her um she doesn't tolerate any bullshit like she really just you know she's she's all business she can intimidate a room full of you know the most you know old school men that you've ever seen like well she, she can just get in there and get down to business and you know that's pretty inspirational and i think i probably had a different experience to a lot of men you know i didn't have a mother that had that that traditional matriarchal sort of role you know in the kitchen and you know wiping the kids asses and that sort of thing i didn't have that so my reality was i didn't have to then as an adult pivot away like how society is going now where you know people are changing their attitudes towards women and you know women in the workplace and that sort of thing uh, and gender equality which i'm totally behind but i was already kind of off to a good start with that i think because that was not my experience. My mother wasn't in the kitchen, you know, like my, my mum, she liked to cook, but she just didn't have any time to do it. Um, cause she was working all the time. So I think now having a really strong female role model, um, and multiple female role models is, is a great thing to kind of go with the male role models because they both offer different things. But yeah, as far as like circling back to the, the musical part of it, always played music. Um, you know, in bands since I was 12 years old and, um, and I, I really couldn't let it go. So like, even as an adult, there were times in my life where a band would break up or something and I'd say, right, I'll have a little bit of a break from music and I'll kind of focus on my career and that sort of thing. And I would do that for a little while, but you know, only months would be able to go by without me wanting to pick it back up in some capacity. So I'd either start a new band or, you know, like what I'm doing now, which is venturing off as a solo artist. Uh, it's the first time I've done it. So over the last kind of 12 to 18 months really, you know, wrote and recorded my first solo album. Um, and it's a much more stripped back acoustic, uh, folky rock sort of style, I guess. Um, whereas most of the bands I, I was known for when I was younger were hard rock and heavy metal bands. Um, so it's something a little bit different, but I'm just kind of finding that as I'm getting older, um, you know, it's getting a little bit harder to keep up with the metal. I think metal's a, a young man's game. You know, it's really pretty demanding on the throat. And I still want to actually be able to sing when I'm old. Whereas a lot of the guys that are screaming their way through their 20s, 30s and 40s, they've got nothing left, you know, when they get older. But I would like to be able to still pick up an acoustic guitar and, and sing well into my 80s, 90s or hopefully hundreds with uh, the technological advancements we're seeing nowadays. Where do you sing? 
is it just for like on Spotify and stuff, or do you go do like um open mic? I, I don't know. Like, do you go to that yeah. regular at a pub or something? Yeah, I think when we're in the normal environment um, and not in this pandemic COVID environment, I would definitely be jumping up and and playing live gigs. I did a couple earlier in the year in sort of June, July, when things had opened up a little bit. Uh, and that was awesome to get back out as a solo artist. And it's quite different as a solo artist because I don't have a band up there with me. It's just me and an acoustic guitar and it's a lot quieter. It's a good opportunity to connect with an audience and to be able to... Um, you know, to tell stories about the songs and to be able to, um, yeah, to be able to kind of just be a bit more connected to the audience, have a chat with everyone after. Whereas when I was with band in a band, like there's just nowhere to hide. You're up there on a stage. It's loud as fuck. Like it's really, really loud. Um, and it's much more, <clears throat> yeah, a little bit less intimate, I, I would say. Um, it still has its pluses. Like I loved that environment. Like it was awesome because there was just so much energy and like it was, you know, it's, to me still to this day, I love going and seeing a, a loud rock band, but right now I'm just trying something a little bit different. That said, I've got a few guys lined up that are going to come out and play with me this year. Um, so we're, we're starting rehearsals pretty soon. And so I will have a band, but you know, just a much more stripped back sort of thing, you know, not, not the big, you know, walls of big martial amps anymore. That's taking a little bit of a break from that. So you're saying the last 12 to 18 months, months, that's when you changed from going the whole band heavy metal thing to like your solo thing. Is that because of COVID? Uh, partially, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think when I left my last band, which was to an end, um, and they, you know, it's a great band to be in, um, you know, really still very tight with, um, especially the main, uh, the main songwriter in that band, Matt, um, you know, they were, were a really good band. We were getting up around, you know, touring, uh, interstate and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, doing all that stuff, which I've done for years, uh, but I kind of got a bit burned out on the style. Um, and Matt was writing new music that was kind of going sort of more in a direction that wasn't really my thing. Um, and so I started, and at that time I wasn't really listening to a whole lot of heavy metal anymore. Like I'd sort of looked at my Spotify, you know, recents and I was like, all right. So it's like, yeah, I'm listening to Fleetwood Mac and I'm listening to Neil Young and, um, you know, country music like Johnny Cash and uh, Hank Williams and all that stuff that my grandfather even listened to. And I was kind of like, I think I really want to try a bit of this. I think I want to just take it back to basics and just write songs on an acoustic guitar. And yeah, during the pandemic, you're right. Like it was, it definitely made me think, well, gigs are going to be gone for a while. Um, so what's a way for me to connect with people with music? And I was like, I'm writing all these songs right now. Why don't I just keep going down that track, write as much as I can. Um, I, I upgraded my home studio setup, which I'm kind of in front of at the moment. Um, but I uh, got some new gear uh, during the pandemic because I had all this time on my hands. And I'm like, right, I'm just going to keep writing until th that well runs dry. And it, you know, it didn't until I'd written, you know, like 10 or 11 songs. And I basically was just recording as I was going. I was connecting with musicians overseas. So I've got different players like, um, you know, piano players, singers, uh, um, a violin player, uh, cello, like all sorts of things, different things for different songs. And so I'd connected with all these musicians overseas and, you know, it became this real kind of collaborative uh, effort at the end of it. And um, I've got a mate who's a, a, a mix engineer and we both produced the record together, but he just lives like nearby. So as soon as the, the lockdown was over, I'd be able to run over and we'd mix a couple of songs and just kind of fit it in where we could. And yeah, by about April of this year, the, the album was done. Um, and so since then, it's just been about trying to, trying to get it out, uh, trying to do it the right way, like, you know, promotion and that sort of thing. Um, but to be honest with you, I was on a really good trajectory with that. And then, uh, you know, the pandemic sort of got the best of me, had some mental health battles, which I battled my whole life, but it really hit me probably the hardest that's ever hit me in my life this year and I just had to stop all of it um, and really just get back to basics and get myself well. And that was only kind of about a couple of months ago that I started feeling better and feeling like I could, I could do this again and I could, I could juggle music and work and family and all of, all of the things that I have, but I had to really just strip it back and just be focused solely on my family during that time. Um, and I'm glad that I did it, but I'm not glad for the experience. You know, I know it's, a lot of people have had a much rougher trot, through the pandemic, you know, people have lost jobs and I have, I luckily haven't. Um, so, you know, my income didn't change or anything like that. 
uh, but you know, people losing homes, businesses, that sort of thing, loved ones, obviously. But for me, um, you know, I just struggled with, to be honest, I struggled with all the downtime and just being, uh, having to really face what myself is without having all these things going on in my life to distract me. Um, you know, it was pretty terrifying to be honest, to have to go back and, you know, think about some of the things that had happened in my childhood and some of the things that happened to me growing up and really just to be faced with it so that I could be a better person for my wife, a better person for my family around me. Um, so yeah, it's been a pretty tough year on that note, but you know, definitely starting the upswing, I think. Do you think from all the stuff that's happened in your childhood, like only being able to see your dad, like every couple of weekends and stuff like that, yeah, it's actually made you more present, more like a better dad. Uh, I'm not a dad yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. But <laughs> no, I've like, hope, hopefully I will be soon, but I think it will make me a better dad. Um, I, I, I do think so. Like I've got a, I've got a young niece that I'm, I'm very close with. Uh, I'm very close with my sister because it was just the two of us growing up. Um, so my niece, uh, her daughter, who's five, um, I've had a pretty active role um, in, uh, in her life so far. My sister's been a single parent for most of that time. She's got a partner now, but um, for a lot of that time, she was a single parent. So I was there to kind of give her a chop out and, and help as much as I could. So I've got a good relationship there. And I know definitely that it will make me, you know, regardless of the circumstances, I know that if I bring a child into this world that I'll be all over that gig, like that'll be my number one job. And that's, you know, that's something I definitely hope to have in my future. Um, you know, I like to be able to, um, you know, do the things that, that I think, you know, males should be able to do with, with their kids and, and that sort of thing, which is, you know, it, regardless of whether the kids are a boy or a girl, like just being able to, um, to go out and, you know, be a positive male influence on a child's life. I really want to be that. And I think that, yeah, having gone through what I went through, having witnessed, you know, the struggles that my dad had in not having access to us in the way that he would want to. Um, and then him getting to a point probably where he was a bit dispirited by the whole thing that, you know, it was hard for him to get access to us. So he almost got to a point when I was about maybe 12 or 13, where he shut off emotionally a bit more, um, to, to us. But I think that was self-preservation more so than anything else. Like, I think he was just so hurt by the whole thing that he had to do that to kind of. To, to kind of cope with it. And it's just more in recent years that he's opened up a bit more about that. And, you know, I've been able to discover that's, that is what he was doing, like his way of being able to cope with his emotions and that sort of thing. He's probably not one of the best people at dealing with, with his emotions. So I think for me, you know, that's definitely something I this year have been trying to focus on. I want to be someone that can, can really be good at managing my emotions. Cause I probably haven't been all that good with it either. Um, but I think to be a good parent, and to be a good person and to be able to help others, uh, you do have to, to really be self-aware uh, of your emotions. You do have to be in a position where, um, where you can be honest about, Hey, I'm feeling terrible and this is what I'm feeling and to be able to get vulnerable in that situation. Um, and if you can be like that, then I think you, you go a long way to being able to deal with it so that then you're in a position to be able to nurture and grow others. Yeah. Mine's going in lots of different spots. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot there. Yeah. I'll come back to that then. Sure, yeah. Because I don't know where I want to take that. But um as as a music artist, how without doing like your live gigs where you make money from um just tell us how you actually make money from this. Yeah, um if if anyone knew the answer if anyone knows the answer, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know because there's um at, at the moment, um like, look, I'm very lucky. Unlike a lot of my musician friends, uh, I have another stream of income. So I like, I work in corporate as well. So I've got a nine to five and a day job and I actually quite like it. You know, not a lot of people say they, they hate the nine to five and they hate the office thing. You know, I've hated some of my jobs in the past, but the one I have right now, I quite like. So I've got no issue going, you know, getting up and going to work. I like to live, lead a really busy lifestyle. So I'm quite happy doing my nine to five and then slotting music and, you know, barbecue and everything else I do in around it. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I don't make money from music. It's a, uh, it's a labor of love at the moment. I spent way more making the record, uh, than I ever really hope to get back. However, um, you know, I've got a record now as far as like, you can buy a physical copy of it, like a vinyl copy of it. Um, I've got 
t-shirts and merch and that sort of thing. And I think these days speaking to some of my musician friends who do seem to make a little bit of an income off music, like it's all about the merch when you can't gig. So gigs are where you really make most of your money, but on top of that, having good merch that people want to buy um, and having, you know, dedicated followers that really get behind you and support that stuff. That's kind of the way to, to make a little bit of money. And then others do, you know, do covers and things like that. Um, when, you know, when we're on a pandemic and that's an, another way to make music, but I, um, I'm not so much of a covers artist. I've never really been all that good at covers. Like I know some covers and that sort of thing from, you know, growing up, but I've never really been in cover bands. So I couldn't just go and do three sets of, you know, like pop hits and that sort of thing. I don't really have that in my repertoire and it's not really something I've ever been interested in. So I'm happy not to make money from music at the moment because um, I don't rely on it. Um, however, it would be good to start clawing back a little bit of what I spent on the, on the record at some point. So we'll just see, I think it'll just be about once things open up, being able to go out and play shows again, uh, and really just kind of build, you know, just guerrilla style, just, you know, old school, get out and, and build a following the old fashioned way by getting in front of people. Have you done much with TikTok? Zero. I'm not on it. Uh, my wife, uh, tells me all the time she's like oh you got to get on tiktok because that's where everyone is now and you know i'm always i sort of watch it over her shoulder sometimes you know like if you're on the couch or she wants to show me something funny that she's seen so i see it and you know, i see the reels now on instagram and that sort of thing so i think i should do it um i should get on it because i'm hearing people have some success with it but then you know part of me is like oh are you, are you too old for tiktok like it seems like it's all the young kids <laughs> but i but i know that that that's evolving now and it's it's kind of becoming a lot more encompassing and you know like there's platforms like you know facebook as we know is, is pretty well dead unless you're uh unless you're near death unless you're in your 70s or 80s <laughs> then they seem to all still be on facebook and uh, instagram's kind of becoming for for you know blokes my age like mid mid to late 30s and that sort of thing and i think tiktok's had the reputation of being for the 20 something year olds but yeah like like you're saying it i think we've got to get on that yeah really well this is one thing that i was just came to me i really hope after this conversation today they actually do set up the app and actually hop on it today if not tomorrow because basically i listen to a lot of podcasts and everything and this is how um music people get discovered now this is tiktok is how people um they get their music out there i'm seeing a lot of artists there that are unknown and they hop on tiktok they'll check out a song because what you can do with your song has when you get on it try this one because a couple of artists are doing this and it's really like blowing them up. So you put your song out there and you say, Hey guys, hundred bucks or two hundred dollars for whoever makes the best like um, post using this music. Cause when you do a post like a little, little skit or something, you're either like mouthing someone's words. Like I just did like a Homer Simpson one with, with my yeah. wife that, that went quite well. And, um, you're just mouthing like Homer's words and stuff, but with your song, you can either have, you can mouth the song so I can pretend I'm singing your song or I can oh, yeah. like hop on a dirt bike and go off a jump and ghost it or whatever with your music as a background. And if your song sounds really cool and people like the little posts I've done, they might want to use your, your music as their background music. And that's how trends happen because lots of people would like using the same music. Yeah. I was like, you know that song, I come from a land down under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen a couple of TikToks that have that's have blown that up. My wife's been watching it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've so that's training at the that's training at the moment. So lots of people haven't heard that song. Lots of people have, obviously, us being Australian. Yeah, have. yeah. But that's blowing up. So millions of people are hearing that song every single day. So if you were to put yeah. a song out there that takes off, there was there's a oh, music producer over in America and um yeah, like like I said, he did he had a bit more money, but he, like he couldn't get signed or he couldn't like you know get his music seen by the big yeah. boys. So he just started going hard on TikTok, and he said, "I'll give you five grand to fly out whoever to LA, whoever does the best um post type thing using my this song that I made." And his Josh. song went viral. Now he's got he's up on the stages in front of everyone, going off. He he's doing quite well for himself. So I really hope you actually do. Yeah, I'm going to download think, like. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I'll send you a link. Otherwise your wife, I think your wife can get like a $3 credit or something. Like if she oh, yeah. refers you, so hit her up first 
Yeah. And like she might be able to get three dollar credit for an Amazon voucher or whatever if she signs you up. If you sign oh, up okay. onto yep. TikTok using her link. If she can't do it, let me know and I'll send you a link. But yeah, advertising TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but I, I really think like a, I really think that'll help you. Suggested it. Yeah, they're not the first one that suggested it. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's something I definitely got to look into because yeah, Instagram's starting to kind of you know the algorithm sort of squeezes you a little bit, and um, yeah, definitely looking for new ways to get get my music out there for sure. Yeah, my my Instagram's pretty. No, it's not dead. Facebook, as you will we just saying, is dead really, Stop. unless you're like paying paying for an advert. And then it goes right. all right with that age group. But yeah, my Instagram, I got like hardly any followers. Now my TikTok's blowing up. I got like a couple hundred thousand buddy followers and stuff because one of my posts oh, went viral awesome. and got like 2.6 million views or something. So I got so good You'll following. have to send me a link to the post that went viral so I can see what all the fuss was about. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, can do. But I tried with this other guy and for some reason it didn't work with him type thing. But yeah, it was it's, it's an algorithm like we were saying. But yeah, yeah. T- TikTok nowadays, it was... First of all, the, like under 13s, 14s. Now yeah. you've got people as old as like 80 on there doing TikToks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's some interesting ones I've seen. Like um, my wife's always looking, like there's a bloke that works at a Macca's and he's like going in to the kitchen and showing you like how they, how they make everything and that sort of thing. And yeah, you know, she's like, and I'm just thinking, God, like this guy's getting like hundreds of thousands of views on this and he's literally just making burgers at Macca's. Yeah. Like, have good amazing. music. Yeah. Well, most people don't see that. Like, because yeah, I'm true. a. Yeah, you're right. Most people don't see how you make music. So, if you sure. find your little niche and you can show, you can even like, say, this is how I do this chord or this is how I mix this or something. I don't know. It doesn't have to be a how to yeah. thing. If you just film yourself, because connection too, it's getting your face out there really oh, as well. Because yep. people, unless, you know, it's a, people know you through certain stuff in this app. Basically, skin your face out there, and it will definitely help get your face out there. Hey, what do you feel you missed out from? What would you have liked to have done with your dad growing up that you didn't get to do? That's a good question. I think it would have just been nice to have a little bit more direction and guidance um, from from his perspective at an earlier age. Like, I think... um, I don't feel like I missed out on heaps because he was still really good as far as, you know, every second weekend, like he'd be a good, like musical influence. And, you know, it was good to kind of, we went to the footy and all that sort of stuff pretty regularly. And so I feel like I I definitely didn't miss out on too much. I think what I did miss out on was just the stability at home and having um, two parents. Um, And that's not saying that, you know, same sex couples can't, you know, provide stability. Of course they can. Um, I didn't have two parents for most of my childhood growing up. And that was hard because my mum sort of had to be everything all at once. And she couldn't be because she, she was trying to, she had to make choices to focus on her career um, in order to make sure that we had opportunities. Um, and that was tough. Whereas I think if she had someone like my dad there, if they had to stay together, that they might've lightened the load. Um, that said, they're both very different people. I can't even imagine them together now, like knowing them both as adults, like I couldn't imagine what it would have been like if they stayed together because I don't think they were they were good for each other. Um, but yeah, I think just like knowing what it was like to just come home from a day at school and have your, your dad there to talk to or to like, you know, to be, like have an issue at school, you know, like, you know, being bullied or, or having to deal with something like that and, you know, coming home to an empty house and waiting until mum gets home at 7.30 rather than having a parent there a bit earlier you know, whether that was mum or dad to be able to kind of debrief and not have to just kind of go it alone and handle that sort of thing on my own. So I think probably just, just having that presence and the stability is, is what I, I missed out on. You just touched some, on something that I actually wrote down, but I didn't know when your mum left your dad, was it for a woman or a man? Yeah. So she was a, in a same sex relationship. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, that and at that time, like this is like uh, eighty nine or nineteen ninety, you know, in a place like Ballarat, um, that, that is, you know, like pretty old school views and that sort of thing. Like that was definitely that was tough for all of us uh, involved. Did you go? Yeah, that was. John, sorry, you go. Yeah, like that was. Um, I mean, I think I think probably as a six year old, you don't really understand it. Like I remember having it explained to me, 
And I remember understanding it when I had it explained to me. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that, that is what it is. Um, I was never bullied for that at school. I think it happened a couple of times kind of indirectly, like somebody, I remember one time a kid at school made a comment like, you know, all gay people should be shot or something. And I arced up at him because I didn't want anyone talking like that. And so I just challenged him on it. And so well, why do you think that? Like, what? Why should they be treated any different? And he didn't have any good arguments. And I was always a reasonably intelligent kid. I, uh, you know, I always kind of read a lot and, you know, like would ask a lot of questions and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, my way of kind of bullying back was always to kind of, you know, hit them intellectually um, as much as I could. So I would just kind of blow apart their argument until they just said, look, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean to say it. Um, so I remember that one instance where, you know, I didn't even have to bring into it my, my story, um, but it was just kind of saying, well, look, you know, these ideas that you have uh, are based in nothing other than probably what your dad has told you. Um, and so, so for me, uh, yeah, like I was never bullied about it, but it was hard because I know my mum definitely experienced a lot of it um, in her environment. And that wasn't nice, you know, to like, you know, Ballarat's a, like a small town mentality. So, you know, everyone loves to gossip and talk. And so from what I understand at the time that it happened, there was a lot of that going on around us in, you know, in our family circles and, and, you know, friend circles and that sort of thing. And the parents of people that I was friends with at school. So while I didn't experience it directly with the kids at school, um, you know, what I learned later, like years later, my mum would tell me like, oh yeah, that, that kid's parents, you know, they were like a bit funny about it when it all happened and, you know, kind of took a bit of a, you know, a backward step and that sort of thing. And, um, and you know, now looking back, you know, if it had have happened to me, if I was six years old now and it had have happened, I think it's a different world, you know, to, to have that happen. Um, and it wouldn't be such a big deal, but, but yeah, back, back in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah, it was definitely, definitely hard to swallow. Um, and pr probably for my dad as well. Like, I think it just kind of caught him off guard a lot. Um, you know, and that, and I think that was pretty hard for him to deal with, um, at least initially. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, it was hard for everybody, you know, a bit of a shock, I think. Um, but you know, look within a few years, it just became kind of the normal thing. Um, and my mum, uh, you know, hasn't really sort of partnered up in any sort of serious long-term way since that relationship. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like you know, a great experience for her as well, I think. So she, um, you know, like, and then she's pretty much just been married to her career for most of the time I've known her. So, um, so, you know, she's, she's pretty happy on her own these days and you know she's got us kids she's got a grandkid and that sort of thing so but yeah it was it was definitely something that for me while i was in it it didn't feel that weird because that's all i knew i was six you know i didn't know a different reality um but i was always a little bit probably jealous isn't the right word but just a bit envious of other kids not just because they had um like straight parents it wasn't about that it was just because they had two two like good parents and a stable home, you know, that was the thing I was more envious of just having, you know, like stability. So I'd get envious of my, my mates whose their parents just seemed to be like really on the same page and they didn't really have money troubles or they, you know, didn't look like they had money troubles and, you know, and the parents were able to be parents more than just stressing about work and money all the time. You know, like there's probably all that stuff going on behind the surface because every family has that shit to different degrees but that was the thing that i was envious over i wasn't i wasn't thinking like oh i don't have a dad in the house i really want a male in the house as such i just wanted to have my parents you know what i mean like i just i just wanted my parents yeah, the same yeah so basically mum and dad split up when i was year two so that's yeah, around that same age. same similar age small country town yeah, so we only saw dad on the weekends. Mum was busy working her ass off and stuff like that. And yeah, you'd go to um, like sports carnivals and you see the yeah. other parents there cheering on their kids. Yeah. And mum's at work. Dad's obviously not yeah. on the pitch until the weekend. So yeah, and what you will find is what I said before is now I'm an I'm a I'm a bloody awesome dad. So um, yeah, I'm there for yep. yeah, I'm there every time. Yeah. yeah oh, I, you're right. Like emotional. So I'm gonna I'm gonna flick it back yeah. on you. Hey, um, no, tell us about good, mate. Like I think um I think yeah definitely on that note yeah sports carnival that sort of thing 
you know, like my mum made every effort to be there, but there were times where she was like, she was saying she was coming, but she was held up with something at work and she just couldn't be there, you know? So like, it, and she wasn't there. Um, you know, I played footy growing up and, um, and that, you know, like it was sometimes she'd be, she'd want to be there. She'd always like the, the intention, the intention was for her to always be there. And I understand now that sometimes she just couldn't like if, you know, she, she's in, she's in the health industry and like it's, and, and if, if shit was going down that ha fires needed to be put out, she couldn't, she couldn't leave. Um, but at that age, you don't understand that. You just, um, you just think, well, shit, mum's not here. Yeah. What's your lyrics about with your songs that you write? Yeah, good question. It's a little bit all over the place. Um, they they tend to tap into relationships primarily. Um, you know, whether that's an intimate relationship or a relationship, another kind of relationship, like a parent relationship. I've got, I, I've sort of probably been a little bit hesitant to go right down that rabbit hole so far, um, as far as writing about my relationship with my parents. Um, there are, there are a couple of songs on the new album that, that start to go into that territory, but I do write with a lot of metaphors and I do take, I guess, a, a feeling or a word, um, and then construct a story that's not necessarily autobiographical. It's not something that I've literally been through, but it's, it's got themes from, from my experiences that I've then taken to be able to construct a story. And I think I do that sometimes to hide and to kind of protect myself from having to, to make it too raw and personal. Um, that said on this album, I think there's a lot of songs now where I am becoming more comfortable just being raw and personal and vulnerable and saying, look, you know, this, this is kind of my story, um, to a degree. Um, but that said, I, you know, I'm still in that kind of got one foot in each camp where I'm not quite ready to fully commit to that, but I hopefully in the future, I'll become more comfortable. And in the past, you know, my songs, you know, in metal bands, you just, you know, you want to write about something really aggressive and angry or like, you know, like in a positive way, like trying to, you know, more self power and that sort of thing. And I think a lot of that was covering up how shit scared I was, if I'm honest, like really trying to write songs that are about an uprising and power and like coming from a position of where I've got my shit together and I'm powerful. I'm going to tell all you guys to be powerful. Um, I didn't feel that way at all, but I think I was trying to make people think like I was. Um, and now I'm not fussed with that at all. Like I'm happy to be vulnerable in my songs and, you know, I got a song on my record that's, you know, like I keep, I, I deliberately keep my songs a bit universal and a bit open for interpretation, uh, so that different people can take something different from it, that they can relate to their own experiences. So there's a song called my brother's keeper that someone interpreted it as, um, you know, a brother talking about his brother that's not with us anymore, whether that's means cause he's dead or because they've had a falling out or, you know, or, or he's in the throes of addiction. I didn't, I don't make that clear in the song. It could be any of those three things. Um, when I wrote it, I was really just talking to myself. It was like me sitting outside of myself and talking to myself during what was my hardest time mental health wise in my life. Um, and so for me, that was me just trying to, I guess, deal with the loss of, the loss of myself in a way, like I'm kind of, you know, like mid thirties, late thirties, I'd just gotten married. Um, you know, I was about to get married at that time. Um, and dealing a lot of my songs definitely deal with the themes of being in this weird place where you're not quite old yet, but you're not young anymore. And you have to give, you have to give up on not give up on, but you have to start being comfortable that your youth is behind you and your old age isn't here yet, but you have to start walking in that direction. And I think this album in particular, if there's one theme that kind of comes out, that's it. So a lot of it is seeing, seeing th experiences from my younger years through adult eyes and not being entirely comfortable with what I'm seeing. That's probably the best way to describe this album in particular. So, so that's that one song or the whole album in itself? The whole album has those like. themes. Yeah. Like there are some that, that, you know, center around, you know, there's this like probably like the first single off the album, which is called beautiful. There's a music video out for that. That seems to be the one that, you know, everyone seems to like, cause it's got a pretty catchy tune to it. It's got a big hook. Um, and look, you know, a lot of people say to me, Hey, that's a real like nice upbeat, happy song. Cause that's how it sounds. But I'm like, have you listened to the lyrics? Like it's essentially <laughs> about a breakup. It's about a separation and it's about really trying to take the high road when you're feeling really gutted about it. 
but you try to force yourself to take the high road and to, to be able to appreciate what you did love about that person while you were together. And that's what the song is about, but it sounds like so, so much of the, the imagery and the lyrics, they're positive. So it gives people the impression that it's like this happy song, but it's not at all. Um, and so things like that, like I'm obviously happily married. I've got, I've got an amazing wife, um, that's really supportive. Um, but you know, I had this tune, I had this lyrical idea and I'm like, well, I've been through some horrible breakups in my life. I've had my heart trodden on many times in my life. So I was able to go back to those earlier parts, times in my life and really think about how I felt and tap back into that. Um, and I do that often um, on this album. There's lots of things that happen to me when I was younger that I'm able to go back and kind of pull out those feelings and themes and just kind of live it again uh, and construct a story around it. All right. If this sounds jumpy, it's just because I've sent Alan another little link and we're spicing two together. All right, cool. Yeah, because the chat was going so well, I wanted to keep this going. Thanks for coming yeah, back good on. Idea, mate. Good call. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. I'm enjoying it as well. Sweet. Yeah, you keep touching on things that happened in your past. Are they what the things that we've already covered or are they different things? Um, oh, you know, like there's there's lots of things. I mean, I guess the main stuff really is yeah, definitely centers around I guess having having a pretty troubled childhood and then not really being set up for success as a young adult um so i think probably things that that you know experiences that i had and ways that i would deal with with adult problems you know when early on were probably you know not the best way to do it so you know i mentioned before about um you know like the ends of relationships and things like that when i was younger you know i was i was i mean look arguably like i'm still learning this stuff but i feel like i'm, I'm better in this relationship than i have been in my past ones. I feel like I'm not particularly good at relationships. Um, and, you know, a lot of that probably was to do with, yeah, not having like, you know, mum and dad together kind of relationship role models. You know what I mean? Like that's what we, we talk about that a lot, like relationship role models. Um, and so you see people, you know, I've got mates that are like, you know, they, they finished school and they married their high school girlfriend or married someone that they met when they were pretty young and have stayed together. They got really like well adjusted, you know, normal seeming family lives, you know, and like, and for them it's all normal, but then you take a look at their parents and you're like, Oh, your parents are exactly like that. So no, no wonder, you know, you've, you've kind of got it all together. Um, whereas for me, uh, yeah, like I didn't really have a frame of reference. So, you know, I think I was, you know, a particularly, I still think I'm a pretty, a, a difficult person to be with. Um, because yeah, like I come with a lot of, uh, a lot of baggage and a lot of problems and, you know, a lot of people are like that. Um, you know, like, uh, I can't say anyone would be a picnic to be with all the time. Um, but probably learning communication in relationships or learning how to deal with, you know, uncomfortable feelings and, and that sort of thing. And not just, you know, kind of going into myself and avoiding the problems, um, or, you know, disconnecting from a relationship because I don't want to have to deal with fixing it, all of that sort of stuff. You know, that's probably a theme, you know, when I was earlier in my life, you know, my twenties and the relationships that I was in back then. Um, yeah. So I, I, I find it interesting to go back and write about some of those experiences, not necessarily literally, but just those feelings of, of you know, running away when things get hard versus actually fixing it and addressing it and, and actually opening your mind up to being like, well, you actually might be a huge part of the problem here. Um, that was probably something the penny didn't really drop on that until you know, well into my thirties, I reckon. Um, I mean, the penny's still dropping really. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of, yeah, like I said before, writing music, you know, like about things that have happened to me throughout my life, but trying to do it through more mature eyes. I think that's, you know, that's the theme, like, you know, kind of that people always ask you like, oh, if you could go back and talk to yourself at a, as an 18 year old or as a 25 year old, what would, what would you say? That sort of thing. Um, I think there's a little bit of that going on, uh, like in this, you know, just kind of subconsciously through the songs, I'm, I'm talking to the person that I was as a younger man and dealing with the fact that, you know, look, you, you probably, you were learning and that's okay. Um, but I just want, yeah, the younger version of myself, I, I would have just told him like, just look, calm down and just start, you know, like start thinking about this a little bit more uh, critically and start thinking about yourself a little bit, you know, be a bit nicer to yourself, I think, because a lot of the, 
a lot of the problems that I had were born out of, you know, like crazy insecurity um, and an inability to face my emotions and just to run from them. So, um, and I wish I'd known that when I was younger, but I would just do whatever the natural reaction was, which was usually to, to disconnect and run away. Being in a band and stuff like that, you probably, do you get lots of groupies and stuff like that? Like when you're in a band, all the girls try to crack on to you and all that type of stuff when you're at gigs? Not when you're this old. <laughs> oh, but even um, in like your younger days and stuff. Oh, yeah, in the younger days, there was there was definitely there was definitely that sort of stuff going on for sure. Um, you know, that was one of the the best parts. Like, <laughs> it was, like at one time, you know, it was good. Like when you're like 19, 20 and you're playing shows all the time, you're getting attention, and especially for someone who was as insecure as me. Like, it was very validating to get that sort of attention. Um, for sure. Uh, and especially as someone who as a teenager, I didn't really get a lot of that attention. You know, I was a pretty awkward kid and I was really just, you know, like kind of immersed in, you know, being like, you know, playing my guitar and, you know, like watching horror movies and stuff. Like I was a bit of a, bit of a geek, you know, like I was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to, to that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden I'm in a band and, you know, and I, I'm getting like, you know, it wasn't ridiculous. Like it wasn't like the, the stories you hear of like, these huge bands and stuff, you know, it was pretty small potatoes, local level stuff, but it was, um, yeah, it was validating for somebody that, yeah, like that was just so wildly insecure when I reflect on the person I was. So for me, that was something that was making me feel good um, about or better about the person I was because I didn't really love the person I was and I didn't really rate the person that I was. I just always saw, you know, well, you're not doing, you know, like, why haven't you written the song yet that's going to break through? Why haven't you done this? Like, what are you not doing? Like, it was always just very hard on myself, very, you know, like big imposter syndrome, could never really, you know, be proud of anything that I did. I still feel that way about a lot of things that I do. Um, it's hard for me to really appreciate my, my output and to be proud of it. I'm always going for the next thing, always searching for what's actually going to be the next achievement. Um, but as a young man, I was a lot worse with it. And yeah, that was something that was, that was pretty validating, I would say, um, you know, along with all the other stuff you hear, like the drinking and the, you know, the partying and, you know, like the drugs and that sort of thing, you know, definitely was a time in my life where I was, I was hitting that pretty hard. Was it hard to get off that type of stuff? Nah, or for me it wasn't. Nah, like I never really had a dependency on it as such like it was one of those things where it just kind of naturally you know like we st like I, my band that i was in broke up and the next band i was in wasn't really touring much um or anything like that so um you know playing live very often so the lifestyle just changed just kind of evolved away from it and i still had mates that were doing it and that sort of thing but i was starting to kind of go have some new new friends that weren't into it and that sort of thing so for me i just kind of made a decision that i was gonna stop and and i did yeah, like pretty much like I still, you know, I still enjoy a drink and I can have a big night out and, you know, like, and that sort of thing. We had our work uh, Christmas thing like uh, a few weeks ago and, you know, I was feeling a bit worse for wear the next day. So I can enjoy alcohol like a normal kind of person and that sort of thing. But yeah, all those like really hitting it hard and getting into the drugs and stuff. I left, you know, left that back in my 20s, really. You've seen The Dirt, that movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I read the book. <laughs> I'm a big Motley Crue fan. Like that was one of the early bands that you know that I would check out. Like when I was a little kid, my dad had uh, the Doctor Feelgood record, and you know, so for me, like I've always been really fascinated with that band and their story. Um, and yeah, nothing I've experienced is like remotely like that. <laughs> but but it's it's you know like there's a bit of romance to it, so it's nice to kind of hear those stories. And you know, you have that voy voyeurism to think, oh man, what would it have been like to to go through that and to you know be poolside with Ozzy Osbourne, you know, sorting <laughs> off the ground, you know, like, <laughs> like so I, I love all those stories. Like I can, I can really enjoy that stuff, but no, nah, like my experience wasn't really like that. It was really just like a lot of, you know, irresponsible behavior really. And, and I, and I probably think like in hindsight, if I had have had a better head on my shoulders at the time, I could have made more of it because I was in a band that was doing really well at local level, you know, like we weren't, big by any means, but we were, you know, we, we'd pack local gigs, 350 to 400 people every time we'd play in Melbourne. 
Um, and that, you know, like we didn't even appreciate what we had. We just thought it was my first band, like my first serious band. So we just thought, oh, this is just what it's like. And then it took me being in other bands in the future, playing to like 20 people or nobody in some cases and thinking, wow, like I didn't really appreciate what we had in tear gas at the time. Um, you know, but it was a special thing, you know, for a short time, you know, for only a few years, but like we had a good thing going on. Um, and I feel like we could have capitalized on that buzz that was surrounding our band a lot better if we'd had known what we were doing and had have been able to get out of our own bloody way. Like we were just very, uh, yeah, we had like, you know, we were young guys and we're like to this day, like we're all really close friends. Like we all catch up you know, fairly regularly and that sort of thing. But we'd fight a lot just because of ego, young male male egos and disagreements over stupid shit, you know, like, you know, not being on the same page musically or some someone wanting the credit for something that, you know, like wasn't their idea. Or, you know, like it, it just wasn't like, we're, a, a band is supposed to be a team. It's supposed to be a gang. And I feel like a lot of the time we weren't functioning as as one. You know, we were, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of self-interest, mostly myself, you know, being the one that was, that was fueling that sort of dysfunction. But I felt like if we had have truly been a team all of the time or most of the time, we could have done more. So is that why tear gas, tear gas broke down? Effectively. Yeah. So we had, um, the bass player left, um, Steve, who again, really close friend of mine to this day, he just got sick of basically what I was just telling you, like all of the fighting and disagreements and that sort of thing. And he went on and did something else musically. And we got a new bass player in for a little while. Um, and we made some really poor decisions, like just changing our musical style, like overnight, basically and alienating our supporter base. Um, and that was a really bad move, but we, you know, we were still pretty young. Like we were still in our early twenties at that time. And it was, we didn't know what we were doing, but if we had to know what we're doing, like, I feel like we could have, continued on but it just sort of disintegrated the old the original drummer left the original guitarist left and it was just me and the other guitarist that were basically the the original members um so you know we were kicking a dead horse uh by the end of it really and we gave up in at the end of 2007 i think we ended tear gas we got back together with like the original like the classic sort of lineup um we did a one-off reunion we played three shows in 2016 um and we were meant to do another one uh, just before the pandemic in 2020, uh, in March, 2020, and, uh, that got shit canned. So yeah, look, one day we might get back together and, and do a show. Cause we've still got like in Melbourne, at least like we've still got a good little following that, you know, whenever I post something on Instagram, that's tear gas related as always gets, you know, good, a, a good reaction. We still get pretty decent hits on Spotify. Like I see the numbers and, you know, it's still relatively decent for a band that's basically not put out any new music since 2006. Um, so yeah, like it's, you know, it's one of those, it's, it's, it's the most successful band I've ever been in and successful being a very, you know, like a, a very operative term. Like it wasn't really, we didn't make any money or anything, but like we had people coming to shows and that's getting harder and harder to do these days. So where do you want to be in two to five years or whatever, if you could do what you want to do? Um, if I could do what I want to do, uh, I think primarily we touched on it before I want to be a dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, a couple of kids like ideally, but you know, I'd be, I'd be really happy with one. Um, and I'd like to be the best dad I could possibly be to, to that child. And I want to be the best husband that I could be to my wife. Um, I've got a long way to go to get there. Like I said, you know, mental health wise, it's been a really rough year and, um, you know, and she's been unbelievably supportive. And so I really, owe her a lot. Um, so I think I want to be the best dad and husband that I can be primarily. Um, and part of that is being able to, you know, to continue providing. So I, I harbor no illusions of being able to make music for a living at this stage. You know, it's, um, it's not, it's not really a realistic goal for me in the next two to five years. Um, but I like my job, so I'm happy to keep doing, you know, what I'm doing in the corporate world, but I still, at the same time, I'm not making music for nothing either. Like I still want to be able to get to the stage where I can head up the coast and play inter interstate shows and have a reasonable, a small, but loyal, you know, dedicated following that's interested in what I'm doing so that there's still an audience for me to be able to put out subsequent albums and to go and play. So I'd love to be able to do weekenders and, you know, like work all week and then take the family up in, you know, over the New South Wales border and, you know, maybe play, you know, wherever like Wollongong or, 
Tamworth or Sydney or, you know, and like take the family with me and make it a family thing and, you know, do little trips, you know, maybe like get a caravan or something, I don't know, and go and play some shows. But basically having those like our holidays as a family, you know, that would be ideally where I'd like to be. Pretty sweet. How, can you make money off Spotify? Or is it just you getting <laughs> your name out there? It's to, it purely, it's just, um, yeah, like I got, I got like 25 bucks for three months worth of, um, you know, a longer, even like, like six months worth. Um, and that's just, that's not just my solo stuff, but that's tear gas as well. Um, and my previous band moments apart, um, that I still get, um, a little bit from, but, uh, so it's like, it's pretty hard to do it unless you're big, unless you're like a, you know, Taylor Swift or Metallica or something like that. Um, you know, where you've literally got like a billion, plays and that sort of thing um but even then that they complain like metallica cries poor all the time about not getting uh their dues and it's true like i don't think the way that that model is set up is going to support artists being able to make a living out of it so artists have to find other ways to make a living which is um going to be merch and touring um and working hard and thinking of other new novel ways that we might not have figured out yet but to make it off spotify streams it's really just your music nowadays, like, you know, back in like the seventies and eighties bands were selling heaps of vinyl records and CDs and that sort of thing. And they were making money, the bit, the bigger bands, like it was, cause that was, everyone was buying it, but now music's not valued in the same way. Um, not the actual, like the music that you listen to. So I think artists nowadays have to accept that the music they record and put out there is essentially a promotional vehicle to get people to come to shows and to get people to buy merch and t-shirts and that sort of thing, you know, primarily, I think that's, if they want to make money out of it, that's, that's going to be the main way to do it. You have to kind of give up on the idea of your, your, um, your recorded music, making the money for you. You definitely answered the question. Yeah. Cause I was wondering that. Yeah, no, well, cool. Thanks for that cleared up that, that question in my head. Cause I was wondering what the girl was right. there. Um, might wrap it up in a minute yeah all good where can everybody find your music and find your merch and all that type of stuff sure Give yourself so, a big uh, plug <laughs> yeah all right i will um so algami.com is my website um and that'll get you to all of, all the places where you'll find my music so spotify youtube um uh, apple music like all of everywhere you can stream music uh all my music is there so under algami um if you want to dig into the vaults you know my previous bands tear gas moments apart to an end all their stuff's on there as well um and uh yeah i guess i'm most active on instagram so if people want to hit me up for a conversation or a collab or anything like that um that's going to be where i'm checking checking my messages most and uh there's the link uh you know my bio to to the website and all my various links to get my merch and that sort of thing um so you can buy the vinyl album of uh my first my first album escape to eden it's available on vinyl record um i got shirts stubby holders that sort of stuff so uh people can go and have a look but i think yeah if people want to hear what i'm all about head to spotify or apple or wherever you stream your music first and um and there's a couple of music videos on youtube as well so uh, you can check that out any words of advice or life lessons or anything you want to pass on or anything you want to leave the audience with? Um, oh, look in particular, I think, uh, and we sort of touched on a little bit. I'm like, uh, I think self-awareness, you know, we're in an age now where it's becoming increasingly important to be self-aware. And I'm somebody who has, um, you know, who's like really not done myself much of a service by, uh, not having good self-awareness over many years. Um, and so now I'm really focused on that. So I think if everyone focused on being self-aware more often, we'd have less disagreements. We'd have better relationships, better working relationships with people, um, all of that sort of stuff. So, um, I think just self-awareness is the thing that I continue to work on. And, you know, I think everyone should. Well, that's pretty good words of advice right there. Well, thanks. yeah, going to wrap it up. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Did you enjoy yourself? Pleasure, mate absolutely yeah that was a really good chat like it's good you, you touch on all the all the things that um you know like your standard musician uh interviews and stuff wouldn't you know they just, they just don't go that deep um but i to be honest like i get a bit sick of those types of interviews sometimes because you get the same questions over and over just about you know when's your album coming out you know what's you know like like 
you know, how old we started playing guitar, all that sort of stuff. Whereas like this actually talks, I was able to talk about my story a bit more and um, my upbringing and, you know, other passions in my life and other things that I'm working on. And, you know, I'm learning to be, learning to be more forthcoming with, with what I put out there and, you know, more honest about, you know, like all myself warts and all. So it was a good opportunity to be able to do that. Oh, awesome stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a wrap, everyone. I'd like to thank Elle again for coming on the show. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Have a fantastic day. All right, bye.